0: Looking at John chapter twenty, I've entitled this "Marked Men." Marked Men. Old John is writing. They estimate he's in his nineties when he wrote this. It was ninety-five. Excuse me. It was ninety-five years after the life of Christ. He was a very old man if he wrote in ninety-five A.D. And uh, so he was well over hundred. And he wrote five books. He wrote the Gospel of John, the Epistles of John, and the Revelation of John. He was one of the inner circle. Remember those that went with Jesus in the Mount of Transfiguration? They were with him in the garden. I mean, the the most interesting times in his ministry, they were with him, Peter, James, and John. And uh, we know he was a fisherman, just a simple guy, loved John. He's referred to as the one Jesus loved. And what the Greek grammar there is, the one Jesus kept loving Jesus didn't love him any than he does anyone else. He loves us all. He's not a respecter of persons. But he kept loving John. And that's that's interesting, the continual tense there. He kept loving him. And you know, he keeps loving me. When I mess up, he loves me. And I've experienced some of the things Harold's experienced. I, I was going to preach at this church and had people come to hear me preach in the area that knew of me and I got there, and the pastor got up and rambled and rambled and rambled about nothing and turned it over to me at 10 to 12. He said, now take all the time you need. Well, I need 10 minutes for my introduction, as you know. And so I was frustrated, and I was sitting there burning up inside. And the Lord just said, you know, it's not all about you, big boy. It's about me, you know. And uh, so he he just kind of crushes our ego once in a while. But here John is writing, and um uh, we we love, we love John's writing. There are several occasions in Scripture where the Bible says men are marked by God for one reason or another. Uh, we will look at seven of these occurrences of marked men. And we'll look at John chapter 20 and verse 25. And we'll stand when you have that. We'll read that verse. We'll pray. And we're going to look at seven of these. And this one, you will know who this is. John twenty twenty five, and we'll, of course, conclude with this verse as well. It says in John 20, 25, The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in the hands the print of the nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Wow, Thomas is a doubter which all of us doubt at times, so we don't want to pick on him. But he wanted to touch the Lord's hands and feel the scars. And, of course, the Lord was one of those people who was marked and suffered greatly for us. Bless us, Lord. We need you so much this hour. I need you to say what needs to be said. Everyone needs to open our hearts and be doers of the word, not just hearers. We need you this hour. We need you every hour. We need you every moment of every day. We thank you for the music. And the wonderful testimony so far, and we just ask you to bless this preaching time in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We're going to look, first of all, at Genesis chapter 4. We're going to look at the mark of safety, Genesis chapter 4. And you know exactly who I'm going to refer to first, the mark of safety. Remember Cain killed Abel. Cain killed Abel. I remember one one day my brother said at the dinner table, I'm going to raise Cain. And I said, I don't know where you're going to find his grave. And my dad thought that was the funniest joke. And I thought it's just a corny joke, typical of the jokes I tell. But we're not going to find Cain's grave, but we find him in chapter 4, verses 13 to 15. And Cain said unto the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from the face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any find him should kill him. Now, it's interesting, this word mark here uh, is a word first found in verse, excuse me, the word slew is first found in verse 8. It says, Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And we find here, he says, if anyone finds me, the same Hebrew word is used here, they'll slay me. And he was afraid, and the Lord said, well, I'll put a mark on you, and anyone who touches you, I'll punish them sevenfold. So here Cain is a murderer, a murderer had killed his brother, and God still is merciful. He says, I'll give you a mark of safety to keep people from killing you. He asked for mercy, and God gave him a mark. And we see the marks of sin in people's lives all the time, don't we? And certainly, he was a man marked by sin. I told you a while back, I don't know if you remember, a corny joke. This guy's in the doctor's office, and he looks over, and here's a shriveled up man. Looks like he's ninety. Wrinkled and looked so old, and he said to the man, you know, you know, what's the secret of living a long time? I mean, you know, and the man said, well, I'll tell you, I drink two cases of beer a week. I smoke two packs of cigarettes a day, and I never exercise. And the guy's like, wow. And he said, well, how old are you? He said, I'm 26. You know, Cain had lived a rough life. He was a murderer. And the wages of sin... Is death. And so here we find God gives him mercy and keeps people from slaying him. Uh, In Psalm 78, 47, the same Hebrew word is translated destroyed. People would want to destroy him. They'd want to kill him uh, because the the word of of Abel's uh, death would circulate and people would want to kill him. And yet what does God do? He gives him a life of safety. Did he deserve it? Of course not. We talk a lot about Cain, but, you know, the Bible says in the New Testament, if we hate someone, we've committed murder in our hearts. And how many times do I hear Christians say, oh, I hate that person? So first of all, we see this mark of safety. Second of all, Ezekiel chapter 9. Ezekiel chapter 9. I'm fascinated by this passage, and I've never actually preached this passage per se, but just referencing it a time or two here tonight, we're going to reference Ezekiel chapter 9. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and then Daniel. So Ezekiel chapter 9. This is an interesting passage. The mark of security, we'll call this. Here the Bible says uh, that he cried also in mine ears with a loud voice, saying, Cause them that have charge over the city to draw near, and every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men came from the way of the Higher gate which lieth toward the north, and every man a slaughter weapon in his hand. And one man among them was clothed linen and it had a writer's inkhorn in his side. And they went in and stood beside the brazen altar. And the glory of the Lord of Israel, God of Israel, was gone up from the cherub, whereof he was to the threshold of the house. And he called to the man clothed linen which had the writer's inkhorn by his side. And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark on the foreheads of the men that sigh and cry for all the abominations that have done in the midst thereof. He says to this man with ink pen, Go and put a mark on the head of everyone who hates sin. Everyone who's bothered by the problem of sin in this city, mark them. And the rest of the chapter says, now go and kill everyone else. That's unbelievable. Just kill the rest of them. And of course, we know all there's so much depth here. We could really uh, talk about a lot of things, but for sake of time, we're not going to. But the men who hated sin were protected. Those who accepted sin were executed. I mean, you think of how challenging it would be to live during that time. If you didn't hate sin and stand against sin, you're put to death. And that's what the Word of God says, and it's fascinating to me. So put a mark of ink on their head, spare them, kill the rest. Can you imagine that? Well, there's a mark of security for those who hate sin. And I think we need to remember it's important in this day and age for us to hate sin. You know, it's easy to accept sin. Did you know it's okay to be angry? A lot of people think anger is wrong. No, be angry and sin not. It's wrong to sin when we're angry, but it's not wrong to be angry. You know? And and there's a fine line there. God, God's never sinful. He's angry plenty, but never sinful. And so we can hate sin. We can hate what's going on in our world. I, I, I don't want to hate, you know, people in our world, but boy, some of the stuff going on, you, you just, it's so hard to separate The hatred from the person for the sin, from the sin. And we have to be careful not to hate people, but to hate sin. Then we have chapter 16 of Job. Job, Psalm, Proverbs. So you go back now to Job just before Psalms. And look at Job chapter 16. Here we have the mark of suffering. Job chapter 16 and verses 11 through 13 job the Bible says here in job 16:11 God hath delivered me to the ungodly and turned me over unto the hands of the wicked I was at ease but he hath broken me asunder he hath also taken me by the neck and sharp and shaken me to pieces and set me up for his mark His archers can pass round about me he cleaveth my reins asunder and doth not spare he poureth out my gall on the ground he says here in verses 11 to 13, I've got a target. I got a target on me. God has set me aside to He turned me over into the hands of the wicked. He, he said he's he he's shaken me to pieces and he's set me up for his mark. And that, that's the Hebrew word that could mean target. Put a target on me. He's marked me and allowed the enemies to shoot arrows. That's Job 16, 11 through 13. So God places a target on him, and so Satan and his His helpers can shoot arrows at him. That's Job 16, 11 through 13. And so here we have this mark of suffering. Someone once said this, the school of suffering always graduates scholars. The school of suffering always graduates scholars. Satan wanted to sift Peter. And sometimes we're marked and Satan is shooting arrows at us. Hey, we have to be careful. We talked about the wiles of the devil, how he messes with our minds. And here, Job is one who's is marked, and he's he's got this target like where God's just allowed him to just be persecuted by the enemy. And Job recognizes it. He he says, "God hath delivered me to the ungodly." God's done this, you know. God gives permission to the enemy to harm us, to hurt our bodies. He can't without God's permission, but oftentimes he lets him test us and lets him try us. Then we want to go to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. And you know the book of Galatians? Great book written to the Judaizers. People who got saved but wanted to keep the law. They got saved but they wanted to abide by the law. And, And the Judaizers tried to stay and keep the law. And of course this book is about not trying to live according to the law. They were free from the ordinances of the law. And so here is Paul writing. And look what Paul says here in verse 5 or verse 7. He says in verse 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. No, I'm in the wrong chapter. Galatians 6, 7. And I am looking at the wrong verse. 17, thank you. Can't read my own writing typing. Thank you. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the mark of the Lord Jesus. What does Paul mean by that? Paul was stoned one time and left for dead. He even talks about being caught up in the third heaven, and most people believe Paul died at that time and then came back to life. Paul was whipped by the Jews from the temple and whipped by the Romans. Now, the Jews would simply whip you 39 times, not 40 You want to break the law because the law said 40. But the Romans would scourge you and they would have a whip with particles of glass and bone and stone that when they whipped you and they pulled back on that whip, it'd pull flesh off you. So Paul had plenty of marks. He was stoned. I mean, he had all kinds of scars. He said, I bear in my body the mark of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, he was willing to suffer for the Lord. He went through a lot to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here we have the mark of service. And if you serve God faithfully, you're going to be marked. You're going to suffer, you're going to have scars. Every Christian should have battle scars, whether it's from the difficulty of a child or a tough marriage or a tough job or being persecuted for your faith or whatever it is. We all need to bear in our bodies the marks of service. Now look at Revelation. By the way, Mark, hold on in Galatians there. I just want you to mark your Bible, verse 17. The word marks here is an interesting word. It's the word stigma. That's the Greek word. And Nelson's not here tonight, but he's had eye trouble. You ever heard of stigmatism? It's a problem in your eye where your eye's not shaped perfectly because of that abnormality there. It's the word stigma here. Just thought you'd want to know that. Now, Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. We look here at the mark of Satan. Revelation chapter 13. Chapter 13, we'll go to chapter 14, 16, and 19. So we'll read a few verses here and we'll move quickly. Romans 13, 16. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. Now what is this all about? That no man might buy or sell, save he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that understandeth count the number of the beast, for the number is a number of man, and his number is six hundred and uh, three score and six. Six, six, six. Now, there's a lot to explain here. Man's number is six. We were born in the six uh, created on the sixth day and that's pretty much a common theme in hermeneutics the number 6 is a number of man and and scholars believe probably this three sets of six numbers the 18 numbers is what it would take to number all the people in the world i mean in america we have what uh, nine numbers numbers everybody in america and we still have plenty of numbers left but in the world's population is going to be much greater and here uh, the, the, the the mark of the beast, the beast, the trinity of Satan, the beast, false prophet, and the antichrist who tries to copy everything the Lord does, requires that to get groceries to buy and sell, you have to take this mark. Carl McIntyre, who invented the microchip, uh, talks about that. That's probably what it's going to be. The word mean who means to engrave or to cut into, the word mark. People who don't have hands will have one right here. Everyone else will have one in their hand. There's no fat on the back of your hand. And no fat in the front of your head, unless you're really a fat head. But you have very little fat here, and that's how you'll get your groceries. You'll, you, I, you're not. We're raptured. I got a backup. We're all raptured. But if you are not a Christian, you'll have the mark of the beast in the back of your hand during the tribulation period when there's famine to you get your fair share of groceries. The dollar we know is going to fail. We know there's going to be a one-world money system, and it's going to be all computerized. I, I hate the idea of globalism in our country. This talk about we care about the whole world, not just America first. And, and and this is the teaching that's gonna dominate our airwaves in the next several years as as the Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist, which already exists, is preparing everybody to get rid of the money system and to accept this system. And now don't worry, someone said, Well, I have a microchip in my hip replacement. I probably do too. You don't have to worry about that. This is after the rapture. And the Antichrist comes, and he demands control of every individual. And this is part of the control of the worldwide government. And we know that the dollar is failing. I I know years ago in in the 70s, 60s, and 70s in Okinawa, when they started Maranatha Baptist in 1968, you could go there with a dollar and buy 350 yen for a dollar and live high on the hog. Nowadays, the dollar buys about 60 yen So a jar of peanut butter when we were there is like $10, and now it's like $20. The dollars failing, and the and the world currency is all going to fall apart at some point in time. That's why we are against the United Nations and everything they stand for. We're against a one-world government, a one-world money system. We we realize that's a thing of the future with the Antichrist taking control. So here's this mark of the beast which seems like it'd be helpful in the tribulation to buy groceries, but it won't last long because groceries are going to run out. And if people don't take the mark, they have to flee because they're going to decapitate everyone that doesn't take the mark. So anyone who's saved during the tribulation period has got to run. The Bible says that those that endure to the end will be saved. So people are going to be hiding and running and getting out of there because they don't want to be caught. Then chapter 14, again, verses 9 to 11. And the smoke of the torment ascended up uh, forever and ever and they had no rest day nor night who worshiped the beast in his image and whosoever received the mark in his name. Here is the patience of the saints. They are they that kept the commandment of God and the faith of Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. From henceforth, yea, hath the spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works Do follow them. People will have to run away uh, back up to verse 9. We, f- we find here the mentioning. We're not going to read this for the sake of time. Go over to chapter 16 and verse 2. I'm sorry, 16-2. Here are the seven vials. And we find here in verse 2. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon them, upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. In an interview with Carl McIntyre, they asked him what would happen if that microchip, you know, something happened to it. He said, oh, it'd be very painful. Of course, it's going to be magnified by God's anger. All the people who take the mark will have a terrible, terrible pain in their hand or forehead where that microchip was inserted. Why? Because God's angry. And he's going to curse that microchip. We're not going to be here, thank God. We're raptured. But I mean, the mark of the beast is a very serious thing. And your fate is sealed if you take the mark of the beast. Now, Like I said, we're raptured. This is tribulation stuff. I'm a pre-trib rapture guy. I told someone I'm so pre-trib I don't eat post-toasties. You'll figure that one out. But we're pre-trib. We don't believe we're going through the trib. I don't believe God's appointed us to wrath. I believe we're raptured out before this. But the people left behind, most of them will take the mark. The majority of the world's population will line up and gladly take it. They're deceived. The spirit of Antichrist already exists. And so we look at chapter 19 and verse 20. 19 and 20. Another verse on this same mark. Nineteen twenty, the last verse on this. The mark of Satan. 19, verse 20. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before men, which hath deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them which had worshipped his image. They were both cast alive in the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Boy, that's going to be a great day. Amen? When the enemy's dealt with. Notice it says they deceived him. They deceived people into taking the mark. This is all deception. Take the mark, everything's going to be okay. Trust the world leadership. (laughs) That's what they're supposed to do, but we know it's all deception. Satan's a liar and the father of lies. He's going to get everybody to take the mark, and then he can control the world. And individuality will be out the window. Freedom will be gone. Of course, thank God we're gone. But that's the mark of the beast. Then chapter 22. We find the mark of Satan. We have the mark of salvation. Chapter 22. Verses 3 and 4. I like this. <clears throat> and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him, and they shall see His face, and His name shall be in their foreheads. Here, God marks the foreheads of his own. I like that. Marked for God. This mark of salvation, God knows those who belong to him, and they'll be marked for God. God will God, God, God will mark us, mark our foreheads. His name's going to be in our foreheads. Think of that. I'm a child of the king. I'm so glad I'm a part of God's family. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. Do you believe in that name, Jesus, Savior? Do you believe in that Savior? Because if you believe in him, you'll be marked for him and part of his family. I like that. I like that. Now, we know there's several other passages in Scripture. They would take slaves and they'd mark their ears to identify the slaves. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter 53 for our final mark. The marks of sin, Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah Jeremiah. And you're familiar with this passage. When you see Isaiah 53, most people perk up. It's fascinating because rabbis do not accept Isaiah 53 as talking about Jesus. They say this is talking about the nation of Israel. Every time you find the Bible talking about the bride of Christ, the bride is always feminine. Every time the Bible talks about nations or the nation of Israel, it's always in the feminine. Israel, the Bible said, was married to God. Israel was God's bride. That's what Jeremiah says, Isaiah says. But in this one place where it's masculine, the Jews can't handle it. They will not allow Isaiah 53 to be read in the synagogue. Why? Because it doesn't say she, it says he. And we know Isaiah is looking ahead to Jesus. Look at this, and you know this. Isaiah 53 says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man, a man, not a bride, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was a marked man. His hands and his feet and his side were scarred. He was marked because he died on the cross for our sins. And then we, John chapter 20, I told you we go back there where Thomas says, I'm not going to believe unless I can touch the scars. The unbelief of Thomas is, is surprising, but folks, when we go to work and we compromise... We don't live for God, we don't stand for God. When difficulty hits us and we manipulate situations and rather than praying, we, we try to depend on our own, our own creativity and our own wisdom and wit. We're fouling God and we're doing the same thing. We're doubting God. When you don't think God can answer your prayer, why are you even praying? Now, I'm not saying don't pray, but the Bible says pray faith-believing. Anything not of faith is sin. And here, the Lord Jesus Christ bore the marks. When we do the Passover, how many were here when we did the Passover here? When I did the Passover, remember I, I took the, the, the unleavened bread and I held it up. And I said, now look at this. how they make this unleavened bread. I and mean, you buy it from Jewish a place that sells kosher stuff. And, and the Jews make it that way. And it's, it's slightly brown, which speaks of its bruising. And then we pointed out all the holes In the unleavened bread. Tons and tons of old. It speaks of the Lord being pierced for us because the bread speaks of his body. And he was pierced. And Jesus Christ suffered and was scarred for us. I want to be a marked man. I don't know if I want to be like Paul and be stoned and whipped scourged and beaten and all the things he went through. I certainly couldn't measure up and and take what Jesus took. But I hope, I hope I'm willing to suffer when the time comes because it may happen in our lifetime where we're persecuted in extreme measures. I don't know that, but you got to think before the rapture, it's going to be really bad. It's going to be really bad because every time you see God intervene in history, it's at a point where it's serious and bad. Think of the evil when he sent the flood. In every dispensation, you think of how it ended, how God always delivered people from extreme suffering. Thank God I'm not appointed to wrath, and I believe I'm raptured out before that. But I want to ask you tonight, are you marked for God, or are you willing to be marked for God? Can you say, like Paul, I bear in my body the marks? Maybe not physically, but have you suffered in this life, and have you have kept your faith and your testimony during suffering? That's so tough and so challenging. You know, the Bible says we're given a crown. If we suffer trials, James one two and James 1.12, if we endure temptation, the word's also translated trials in your Bible, if we endure those situations, we're blessed. We're blessed. In that little song I love, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Jesus suffered he rose again because he rose. I too two shall rise. And, uh, the dead in Christ will rise first, but, but those of us who are living will have to catch up to the dead. But I, I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus and I hope that I've been willing, willing to suffer for his name's sake. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. And Lord, <clears throat> I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, Father, to, to suffer for us. And he bore in his body the marks of a Savior. And Lord, we find so many in scripture marked, and Lord, we thank you that we don't have to take the mark of the beast, and one day we'll be marked with your name on our forehead. I belong to you, Lord. I, 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 not, I don't own anything, it's all yours. My body is yours, and help me to be a living sacrifice. Help all of us to be a living sacrifice. We're willing to suffer for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.